You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. He doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because he's good. You can't steer a boat that's not moving. We, need, we as Christians, we need to start opening our mouths. And it says that he who believes on the Son has life, and he that does not believe um, does not have life, and the wrath of God abides on him. Uh, to me, one of the greatest things God did to me was give me peace, give me a hope, give me a promise. And I thought, I have eternal life. I'm, I'm about for heaven, and it's, it's forever. I'm Mark Dana. And I'm Venus Cote. And this is Hope to the Nations. Welcome, Jason. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Well, let me introduce Jason. Jason Boucher lives in Big River, Saskatchewan. He is also Assistant General Director for NCEM, Northern Canada Evangelical Mission, and he's also a director of, of uh, Big River Bible Camp. Welcome, Jason. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, good to be here. It's good to see your guys' face, and uh, you know, thank, yeah. thankful for technology that we can connect like this. So. Oh my goodness, yes. We were just talking with a friend of ours from uh, West Kaganish just before you, and it's amazing. So, so Jason, Jason you, tell us about yourself. Yeah, no, actually, I, I grew up in Meadow Lake, so so Meadow Lake's not too far away. An hour and uh, an hour and a little bit, hour and a half is usually what we tell people uh, away from Big River. And uh, yeah, you know, it was one of those things. Uh, grew up, uh, we had a missionary from uh, my home church, Gary Brown. So many people are familiar with him and with NCEM. And so uh, every once in a while, he'd come back and give reports or he'd be a guest speaker and, you know, talk about NCEM, never heard of Northern Canada Evangelical Mission except through him. Um, but, uh, you know, part of our stories are similar. We yep. both grew up going to uh, Bible camp uh, out in uh, Janot Lake, Bethel Gospel Camp. And that's where, uh, you know, when I was 12 years old, uh, got saved. Uh, you know, I always say uh, my cabin leader, he just talked about hell all week and uh, scared me. And so whatever he was offering, <laughs> I wanted. And so, so then I uh, did I that, but kept going to camp. That with you. I wonder why he was talking about that with you so much. Yeah, I know, right? I must have been one of those bad kids. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. You never know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, thankfully at 15, uh, you know, and being at camp, teen camp speaker was just talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then I was like, yeah, that's something I really wanted. And and so I uh, rededicated my life that year and then thankfully got to work at camp. And uh, there's a local reserve close to the camp growing up and some of the kids were there and uh, in my cabin and just hearing their stories really began that journey in my heart. Uh, I felt the calling that the Lord was calling me into missions. I didn't know what that looked like, but hearing those stories of those native kids, it was just like being drawn to that. And, you know, and for me, growing up in Meadow Lake, I'm, you know, Métis, uh, and in our community, the reserve borders Meadow Lake. And so a lot of my classmates Mm -hmm. were First Nations, uh, you know, as well as Caucasian kids. So we didn't experience racism. I mean, we just grew up together, you know, and so it was just Mm -hmm. lots of fun, you know, that way. And so I didn't know what racism was, you know, and and so it was like 
my heart for native people was that because a lot of my friends were, you know, native guys and, you know, white guys. And so it was just one of those things, you know, growing up that we were familiar with. And yeah, so that's kind of, you know, the, the start of my journey, I guess. So and that's kind of the start of where uh, NCM started, right? It's where the place where NCM started is Meadow Lake. Yeah. I always remember it's interesting. reading about uh, Barney Lissandra. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's really neat because just like you said, like for me, I, uh, you know, uh, grew up with Dion, his, uh, his granddaughter. And so, right, you know, right. I knew Dion uh, well and, and, uh, and her, uh, you know, adopted family. And so we were always friends and, you know, and then uh, finding out she was working at this place called Big River Bible Camp, Gary Brown talking about Big River Bible Camp. Yeah. And all of a sudden here we are at Big River Bible Camp, you know, going into our 17th year. So it's something. Wow. Yeah, it's really quite the camp. I mean, it's grown a lot over the years and it's, it's kind of an older camp, right? But it's kind of yeah. on new wings lately. Yeah, it, it was founded in 1948, you know, and so I mean, it's interesting when you talk about Meadow Lake being the, you know, foundation kind of of NCEM and and I'm just mm-hmm. reading the the book, uh, you know, rereading a book, uh, Light on the Horizon, you know, and just talking about the yep. 50 years of NCM up until 1996. And so, you know, it's just interesting hearing those stories and Stan Colley coming from Meadow Lake and going out yep. that way. And so, yeah, it's just kind of neat to to see that, you know, the, that's where I'm from. And here I am serving with the, the same organization founded in my home community. So it's pretty neat. And then, yeah, the camp, you know, come along a couple of years later and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, seen some changes over the past few years with us being here, but you know, the heart is the same, you know, we, we want to see, you know, the gospel going out and we want to see discipling happening to, you know, first nations kids and, you know, and, and I mean, we've opened it up, not just the first nations kids. I mean, we have a lot of local kids and, you know, and even others coming from farther away coming and it, and it's just good to see the, the interracial friendships that are developing because to me that's what it's all about you know we don't want to be segregated we want to be together on this journey you know so that's that's really important i worked at big river 19 1988 that's a long time ago now we're in the south that's a long time ago oh boy that's a long time ago right that was probably before Jason was born, right? <laughs> no, I would have been 11 then, you know. I would have been 11, so. What, when did you start going to camp? What age? You know, I can't remember exactly what age I started. Like, my mom used to volunteer in the kitchen. So I don't remember if we were just thrown into a cabin then or if we stayed with her. I don't remember a lot of that. Like, I just remember camp being a part okay. of life, you know, and yeah. then just really, you know, like I said, that 12 years old where it really stuck to me. But I remember times before and after. So I don't really know exactly when I, uh, when my first summer was. So you were raised in a Christian home? Yeah, I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, you know, my mom uh, grew up in foster care and she had a, you know, a rough story. Uh, you know, if you get to hear her story, but then, uh, thankfully was adopted into a Christian home that took Mm. her to church and stuff. And then uh, she met my dad and they weren't going to church. Uh, My dad wasn't saved then. Um, But then, uh, you know, when the kids started coming along, then she, she wanted us to start going to Sunday school in the church. And, 
And that's where uh, I remember when we started going to church. I don't know how old I would have been, but uh, my dad, uh, you know, was the one that uh, we, we had tried a few churches, but we went to this little country church out in Rapid View. And, uh, and that's where uh, he just found the people were so friendly and just welcomed him in. And he said, we're going to mm. keep coming here. And, you know, and I think it was the year that I turned 12. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. That's the same year uh, I remember wow. him sharing his testimony. I think it was in 89 that he gave his life to the Lord. So well, That's great. And he was a link with Quebec as well, right? You, you, uh, he came yeah. from Trois-Rivières. Yeah. Three yeah, he's from Trois-Rivières. And his so. desire was to learn English. You know, he uh, he only knew how to say coffee and toast, and he knew the swear words. And so he said <laughs> if he wanted to learn English, he better better head west. So he started hitchhiking out, and then... Uh, you know, got got settled in the Meadow Lake area and uh, was working in the bush there. And it was real interesting because it was a Japanese fellow who he was working for in the bush. And this Japanese mm-hmm. fellow was was a boy who came from Japan and, uh, you know, and then uh, settled in Meadow Lake. And uh, he's the one who taught my father English. And so uh, it's pretty really? funny to, to think of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so your dad became a believer about the same time you did then. And- well, more or less. Yeah. Now it's real interesting hearing his testimony and hearing him share, you know, and just, uh, yeah, thankful for that journey. He, he's gone with the Lord now, but, uh, mm. you know, we know he's, uh, there was never a doubt that he was saved, you know, like uh, yeah. just, uh, I don't, I don't remember him being a bad person or nothing, but, you know, I mean, he did share stories and stuff of life growing up. Um, but I, I mean, I definitely seen the changes in his life, you know, and, and definitely can, testify that he was a, a believer for sure so what drew you to jesus like what was some of the things that was there were you true you found attractive to you i think for me the the big thing was that that idea of relationship you know and and mm. just you know wanting that relationship and and you know conversation and prayer and and getting to read his word and that it's not about rules it's just he desires our heart and and so that was one of the things for me and and I mean, the thing that really got my heart into missions was, uh, you know, just the people in your life that the Lord brings along. You know, there was there was one family in particular, and uh, you know, the 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 one guy, uh, he he's the one who gave me my start at Bible camp. You know, asked me to be a a worker. I always tell people, uh, you know, that I I thought I had arrived. You know, it was just exciting. You know, as a as a camper, you can't wait to be one of the staff. And so when he asked me, it was like, yes, like I'm arrived, you know, and then uh, now that I'm a camp director, I'm like, he was just desperate and asking everybody, you know, and uh, <laughs> so it wasn't that there was anything special about me. I was just willing, uh, just kidding, but, <clears throat> but it was really good. And so uh, that, that got me my start, but then his dad uh, was my uh, Sunday school teacher in the teen years and really encouraged me to go to Bible school and uh, was just such an encouragement. And then this guy's brother was our youth leader, you know, so the Esau family was very instrumental in my, in my life. And so, yeah, you know, and having a a youth leader committed like that. And, and so those things were all good, but for me, uh, God had planted that seed in my heart to to be in missions. And one of the things for me was uh, I I got involved in rodeo and uh, you know, and it was fun traveling on the rodeo and stuff but seeing the cowboy church services and i thought that's something i want to do i want to be a cowboy preacher um 
Mm-hmm. But it was yeah. it was one of those things that you know, wanting to be a cowboy preacher, um, I didn't. You know, and, and, and seeing that there was just me and my traveling partner, many times we're the only two who were at the, the cowboy church services. All the other guys weren't there. And I thought, man, there's so many of us. These guys need the Lord. And so I want to do that. But I didn't realize how long you had to go to Bible school. I didn't realize all the work and trying to be a preacher. So, uh, you know, that was <laughs> that was a little bit, you know, bigger bite uh, than I was ready to chew on. Tell us about that. What did you do in the rodeo? I, we're from the east, or at least I'm from the east, and I, I don't know that much about it. Yeah. What did you do? Well, yeah, so we always grew up, uh, had some animals around the, the farm, and uh, and then uh, one of my best friends growing up, his dad had a big, you know, ranch and lots of cows and stuff. So we, we did lots of horseback riding and roping and different things like that, but uh, for me, I don't know what the thrill of wanting to get on the back of a bull was something I wanted to do. And so uh, I, I tried my hand at that bull riding and, uh, and uh, yeah, I wasn't uh, too successful. So that's why I'm running a Bible camp and <laughs> still, still not in a rodeo, you know, but, but then I did some clowning too. That was one of the things I really liked was, uh, you know, doing okay. that and, uh, you know, kind of both playing with the bulls, but also, uh, you know, being the guy that's out there telling jokes because I, I love to be a jokester and, you know, doing things like that. So it was fun. Uh, and that's still something I always say is in the back of my mind, you know, you, you, as long as you're not messing with the bulls, you know, uh, if you're just telling jokes, I mean, I can do that at any age. Eh? So don't you get chased by the bulls in the ring being a yeah, clown? Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes, you know, the, so they kind of have two things, the clown and a bullfighter. And so yeah. uh, when you're, when you're only a clown, you know, you might get chased, but you know, most times uh, the guys are a little bit, you're, they're usually older and don't want to be getting messed around with that. So they know when to exit the stage, uh, <laughs> you know sooner than the other guys so so you went from being at camp to being a a bull rider to a rodeo clown and then to a camp director that's an interesting progression yeah maybe there's similarities links in between that yeah exactly but i think you got married in between there somewhere yeah, that was at uh, Bible school, you know, uh, the, the like I said, my teen uh, Sunday school teacher really encouraged me to go to Bible school. And, and that's where uh, going to Bible school, you know, I, I, you know, was naive. I didn't know what Bible school was. Nobody really told me about it. We went and checked some out and uh, found one that I liked. And when I was there, you know, and, and this is how naive I was. I thought, if I go there, they're just going to start teaching us how to preach right away. And I can learn how to preach and, you know, and by Christmas time, I could be done, done school, just go one semester <laughs> and I'm good, you know, and no, yeah. here I thought, yeah, I'm like the guys that, you know, they're not so smart. It's going to take them three or four years to, <laughs> to learn how to do this, you know, well, look at who's not so smart here. I, I had no clue what was involved. And so, I mean, it was really good. I enjoyed what I learned and, uh, and I did stay all year but met Anita there and then uh, we were married, uh, you know, the following year and, uh, and began our family a year after that. And yeah, and it was just really good. She grew up going to camp and she grew up with horses. And so, you know, we just had a lot of similarities and a lot of likes. And so uh, we got involved in camp when we were dating and then we worked at camp together. And then after we got married, worked at camp, but then 
Uh, when our first son was coming along, you know, she just said, it's time to get a real job. No more of this camp stuff. So, so we left and, uh, and I was a beekeeper for six years uh, in between camp jobs. A beekeeper? Yeah, made honey. It was a sweet job. <laughs> it was. It was a sweet job. Did you get stung? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, when I started there, it's, it's funny when people hear you're a beekeeper and, and everybody, it, it's one of these traumatic things that happens in your life because people remember getting stung. Everybody can tell you, they, they might not be able to tell you anything about being two years old, but they can remember getting stung at two years old and everyone, you know, oh, you're a beekeeper. I remember this one time. And, you know, and then, so then people would ask me that have you been stung? And it's like, well, like how many times today or how many times since I've been here? I'm like, <laughs> I only remember my first one. I don't remember anything else. Oh, really? Like, wow. yeah. I mean, there's days where, yeah, you don't get stung, but there's days you might get 10 or 20, you know, like you just, it's just the way it went. So it seems to me it's like for a good cause, but getting stung by a hornet. No, that seems to be a, another category altogether. Yeah, it is. And, and that's what you're right. I know people would always ask me that, like, I didn't understand the difference, you know, different kind of bees or whatever. But all of a sudden, when you start working with honeybees, and then you learn about leaf cutter bees, and then yeah, and then there's the wasps and the hornets and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I would, I would rather take my uh, chances with the honeybee. Uh, because if they sting you, they die. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, the hornets and wasps, they can sting you a few times. And and just like you say, there's no no benefit from those guys. You get no honey, no nothing, just a big welt and it hurts. So, <laughs> when did you when did you realize, or when did you realize that you were going to go back into ministry? Yeah, that was interesting because that never left my heart. Like when Anita said it was time to go and get a real job, that was always on my heart. Uh, when we we moved back to Meadow Lake, so we were living in Nippon. Uh, we moved to Meadow Lake. That's where the bee farm was. We got involved in our local church again. Uh, out in Rapid View, Compass Emanuel Church, and, and and you know, and we helped with youth. We taught Sunday school. We we did whatever we could, and and so it was great. Uh, mm -hmm. There was always people to visit with and share the gospel with at uh, at the at work in the bee farm. But it was always in my heart that it was like I wanted to to do more. It felt like there was more, and I, you know, I don't know. I just I I loved beekeeping, and and there's something that I could have done that the rest of my life. But at the same time. It was like to just go to work every day to buy groceries and to buy toys uh, just wasn't fulfilling for me. And I, I wanted to do something else. And so it took uh, Anita two years. Uh, it was interesting because the camp that I grew up going to was looking at hiring a, a full-time director for the first time. And I had a couple friends on the board and they said, why don't you uh, apply for the job? And so I did. And, uh, and I got denied. And, uh, and it was one of those things before I got denied, you know, what happens, I'm sitting there and it's like, ah, oh, the Lord will put the right person in. And, you know, me full of pride was like, well, that was me, you know, like the right person is me. It's the Lord knows that, but you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden I didn't get the job and I'm glad for the guy that they chose. Like I know him well and, and was glad for him. Uh, you know, I was, I was very disappointed. And Anita said, well, I'm actually glad you didn't get it because I'm not ready to go into ministry. And I, I just thought how dangerous was that for me to rush in without her support. And so we were very thankful that that didn't come. And so from that time, it took her about two years. And one day she just said, you know what, uh, I, I think we need to get into ministry. 
And so I say, like, we didn't really know NCM. Like, I know Gary Brown would talk about it, but it wasn't wasn't something that was fresh in our mind. We were familiar. Like, we just knew Gary was a pilot. And I knew Dion had been at the camp, but we had never seen Big River Bible Camp. We didn't really know much about NCM, but it was like, that's just where the the Lord led us to apply. Uh, And then, you know, and, and it was kind of a, two-year process for us once we applied uh, before we said we were ready to, to go. And so when you were both ready to go, then then how did that work? Yeah, it, it was just interesting because we just both had that piece. Like when, when Anita said, you know, she was ready to get into ministry, then uh, <clears throat> for me it was just like, okay, let's look. And, and somehow we both like just knew it was NCM. It wasn't her and it wasn't me saying, you know, this is where we should look at. It was just like, I think NCM is a place to go. And, and when we started our application process, it was just funny because both of us are like, you know, I think Big River Bible Camp. And neither one of us had ever seen the place. We didn't know anything about Big River Bible Camp. But it was just like you could see the Lord's hand in it all, and, and he was doing that. But an interesting thing that took place is that right in that same time, uh, my boss at the bee farm was – you know, we had owned a few hives and we were doing a lot of work there and he was encouraging us to consider, you know, getting more involved and, you know, purchasing more bees and things like that. And so it was just like the Lord laid it before us, the two options that we could continue with the bee farm or we could continue and pursue the Bible camp. And uh, and it was just interesting. We, uh, we didn't know which way we should go because both options sounded really good and something we were interested in. Um, but it was just like the Lord was telling us, you choose, you just choose. You have them both before you and whichever one you choose, I'm going to be with you. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we just stepped out on faith and, uh, and went for Big River Bible Campbell and CEM. So. so today, Jason, in your walk with the Lord, what have you seen him doing in your life? Well, it's been real interesting for a lot of people uh, with COVID happening and, you know, and, and all of our ministries changing, it, it's been good for us. Uh, the Bible camp has been growing, just like we said in the beginning, where, w- you know, we were a lot more busy with uh, groups coming, church groups, men's fishing groups, ladies retreats, uh, you know, just mm-hmm. church family families coming. And, and so it was really busy. And 2019 was, or 2020 was going to be looking like our busiest year. And for us, it was just one of these things that, as we were going into things, it, it was one of these things that all of a sudden we, it felt like we were just running so much and between groups, we, we would be rushing to clean and then you're, you're doing all this and you're preparing for camp. But all of a sudden when COVID hit and then everything kind of went on hold, uh, it was a really good focus, refocus for us to just realize how important discipleship is, you know, and, and yeah. so our theme for 2020 was going to be focus. You know, in Hebrews 12, 2 was the verse, you know, to fix our eyes on Jesus. It ended up being that was really my theme verse because the Lord had just showed me that it's like many times, especially in position of leadership, leadership with NCM now and then leadership at the Bible camp, it would just be like, oh, man, Lord, give me wisdom. You know, I, I need your wisdom and, and you know, and so much that I'm doing. James does tell us to ask for wisdom, you know, in in the book of James, it says, if you lack wisdom to ask, but all of a sudden the Lord showed me, he's like, Jason, you need to ask for wisdom when you come into a certain circumstance. And, And this is only what he was teaching me. 
Um, and, and so it's one of those things that he's like, if you would be focus on, focusing on me, you're actually going to know when to ask for wisdom. Because right now, you always asking for wisdom looks like you're trying to do it yourself and you're not trusting me. And it was just mm-hmm. like, you know, that, that slap in the face that I needed because it felt like I was trying to do a lot of that, trying to do so much on my own and not relying on the Lord's strength, but just trying to do it on my strength. And then all of a sudden the Lord said, no, you just need to focus on me and I'll take care of things. Seems like COVID has showed us a lot of um, different possibilities. And uh, like you said, focusing on the Lord, focusing on asking for wisdom. And we really need that in every, every aspect of our lives. And um, looking forward to like this year, we still don't know what's going on. Right. But Mm -hmm. what are you hoping? What are you hoping to see? And and so I think that's something we want to continue. We've been, uh, we've been doing a little more of this, you know, just with a few people that we're really building into their lives as they're building into our lives as well. And so it's one of these things that as we look at it as a camp, uh, what is this summer going to look like? And, you know, in the summer of 2021, and we're just not sure yet. Uh, I mean, but some of the focusing, it's like, you know, plan A is run camp as normal. You know, we know how to do camp. We've been doing it for years. Our staff know how to do it. So, you know, we can put that together last minute. And I mean, we got to cut grass. We got to have everything ready anyhow. So, mm. you know, it's just making a big grocery order and away we go. And, and we're good to go that way. Um, but, you know, plan B, we're thinking, you know, one thing that we're seeing a need is uh, uh, the focus on family, you know, and, and how it's great that we get these kids coming to camp. But it's like all of a sudden we've been like, well, if regulations change, what if we have one or two or three or more families coming to camp and, you know, and dads learning to be dads and moms learning to be moms and husbands and wives learning how to, you know, build on their marriages and into each other. And, and then just, you know, focusing on the family and then, you know, and if this is something we can do and then let's do family camps. And uh, I mean, and then our other thing is, you know, uh, and it, it, this isn't plan C, this might be something that might happen regardless. If, if we're able, we would like to do some, you know, day camp type stuff with, you know, in, on some of the local reserves around here. So yeah, it's it's one of those things as, as we've been praying now, it's like praying that the Lord gives us vision. You know, we, we said yeah. camp is a man-made product. Camp has not been around forever. When you read the Bible, you don't you don't read about Bible camps and the fun activities and the different things going on. We, we read about discipleship and, and so it's like, okay, what's the next thing we can do? What, how can we use our facility, you know, to further God's kingdom and to see people come to know him. And so that's kind of one of our things we just saying, you know, telling people as if you look to pray for us, pray that the Lord gives us new vision, you know, and, mm. and just a way to use this to, to, you know, glorify him. So that's kind of neat. That's uh, what we've been doing in our Bible study. Not just coming to sit and just study, but praying that God would open our eyes to new things. How can we reach out? How can we uh, better serve the community that I'm in? And he's opened a lot of doors for us and people are so just willing for us to come and visit them. It's, it's almost like they're, they're lonely because of COVID and they're limited in where they can go. And you're, uh, you're either a grandfather or you're soon to be a grandfather. I think you are a grandfather, aren't you? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a grandpa. So that's what happens, you know, when babies get married and then their babies uh, get married. <laughs> and all of a sudden here you are, uh, you know, a grandpa in your 40s. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty sweet. That's wow. for sure. So, so what, what do grandparents do, Jason? Yeah, what oh, do man. they do? They have what fun, you know, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, you, you always hear it and you don't know till you're a grandparent, right? They, they say, you know, being a grandparent is, is, you know, if I could have skipped being a parent, I would have done that. I mean, we enjoyed having our kids, but I think the, mm-hmm. the, the change is you're not bothered by crying. You're, you know, the situation, right? Like when you're a parent and you don't get a break, the kids are mm-hmm. crying, the kids, you know, and you're like, you don't know what you're doing. And now it's like, you know, you know, why won't she quit crying? It's okay. You guys go have a nap. We'll hold baby and everything will be fine, you know? And, mm-hmm. and that was the early days, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so much fun. And now, I mean, our, ba- our grandbaby, she walks, you know, she loves to be outside. So it's great. Uh, you know, when we get the chance to see her, they don't live by us. So when we do get to see them, uh, you know, it's just fun to take her out. She loves animals. So yeah, you can always entertain her with the cats or the dogs, you know, so it's lots of fun. <laughs> Do you have a program for discipleship for your young people that are working at camp or are going to camp? Yeah, we don't have a specific program, but that's definitely something that would be on our heart right now. And like, even with our interns that are staying with us, you know, the, you know, we do daily devotional devotions together, some of those things and get them involved in some of the aspects of camp and stuff. But yeah, it would be nice to find a program. I think like, you know, it was it was one of those things early on at camp when we when we showed up, you want everybody to be your friend, you know, mm. the camp staff, whoever. Um, but all of a sudden you realize somebody needs to be the boss. You know, somebody yeah. has to make sure rules do happen. Um, and And the reality is, you know, just like the Lord, uh, just like parents, uh, rules are put in place not to harm us, but actually to help us. So we could do that. And and early on, we we realized if we can love our staff well, uh, they're going to love the campers well. And then in turn, the campers are going to want to come and be staff at camp. And so that would be our biggest thing there is that for Anita and I, our desire is to love our staff well, whether it's the full-time staff, whether it's summer staff, whether it's interns, uh, we just want to love them well, uh, let them know that they're accepted and, the, you know, and then, yeah, and then hopefully in turn, they want to, you know, reciprocate that and, you know, and love the people well that they get in contact with, whether it's a kid's program they're working with or, you know, they finish an internship at home or they finish a summer at camp when they go home or back to the reserve or back to their youth group or back wherever they might be going, uh, that they would love the people well and that's what's going to draw people to the lord you know today young people are struggling and uh, i'm sure you have young people that have come to camp and are struggling in there with their own personal things how would you encourage a young person like if someone was listening and and they're struggling and and they don't know how to talk to someone or how would you encourage them well, the big thing for me is that when you look in, in God's word, you know, right in the beginning, when he created the earth, he created Adam, he knew that he needed a helper. 
he created us for relationship. He wasn't wanting Adam to be alone with all the animals. He wanted somebody like Adam. And so he created Eve, you know, and, and so the relationship began and, and God desired that relationship with them. It talks about him walking with them in the garden, you know, and even when they sinned, God was still looking for them. They ran and hid, but God was like, look, like I want to be with you. And, and so to me, it's that same thing. Like the enemy is the one who tries to make us feel like we're alone. You know, he wants us to think nobody cares. He wants us to think nobody knows our story. He wants us to isolate and just cut ourselves off from everyone. But the reality is there is people who care for you. And that's what we want to tell everyone Mm. that there is, there is more than one person, you know, and, and sure, maybe your, your mom and dad have hurt you. Maybe your parents haven't even been a part of your life. Maybe it's been a teacher. Maybe it's someone else in authority. But for me, I would always encourage someone, find, find that person you can connect with. And then, you know, and for the people listening, my challenge is, is that be a listener, you know, go and listen to that young person, seek someone out, you know, because they all need somebody to know that somebody cares. Because if we look at it in our lives, we probably all can mention somebody who cares for us, you know, and it's like, we know of somebody who is checking in on us, or we know of somebody who's you know, hey, what are you, you free to go for coffee? And they're, they're ready to go for coffee. And, and I mean, and we, we might face that even as adults, right? Where it's like, oh, everyone's busy. No one wants to have time for coffee with me. But it's like, if we actually started texting somebody or calling somebody, we would soon realize somebody actually does want to have coffee with us. So it's the enemy putting those lies in our heads saying people don't want to connect with you. And so to me, it's like, seek someone out that you can connect with as well as, you know, for a young person, seek out somebody older, connect with somebody because people do love you. People do care for you and you're not alone. Well, Jason is my brother that I've never had. And I've, I've come to really appreciate and respect him. And, uh, I'm always reminded of, uh, where scripture says that not to, uh, be disrespectful of someone that is younger, but to encourage and build them up, and there you go, my brother. Well done. You're calling him younger, and he's a grandfather. <laughs> what about me? I'm younger. No, I'm I'm a little older, but I can say you are older. I don't despise your youth. <laughs> Great. It's yeah, been wonderful it's been to listen to your story and to be encouraged. Yeah. Well, Thank thanks you. for having me, you guys. This has been a broadcast of Arrowhead Radio a ministry of Arrowhead Native Bible Center. For good Christian resources, visit our bookstore at wabanakibooks.com. Look for a new episode next week, wherever you find your favorite podcasts.